Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report, and I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. And it's here in L.A. that dozens of city employees are on unpaid leave for refusing to sign notices about vaccination requirements. But L.A. Mayor Eric Garcetti says he's still optimistic that the vaccination numbers among municipal workers will continue to improve. Overwhelmingly, city employees have gotten vaccinated. The numbers are impressive and strong and getting better. And I want to be clear, the vaccine mandate is not about getting rid of employees. It's about my goal is to keep every employee and to keep every employee safe and to make sure their lives are safe. Um, So we have have 77 employees that are right now on unpaid leave. Within the next two weeks, approximately 700 are also vulnerable to be on paid leave. And we'll note the city of Los Angeles employs more than 50,000 people. So the 77 employees on leave represents less than 1% of the total workforce. Employees have until December 18th to provide proof they're fully vaccinated or face the possibility of losing their jobs. For now, unvaccinated municipal employees are supposed to be tested for COVID-19 twice a week with the cost coming out of their own pockets. Mayor Garcetti says the logistics of that requirement have proven to be challenging challenging, but testing is slated to begin today. About 100,000 Californians who had previously been denied unemployment benefits could be getting them after all. The State Employment Development Department, which handles unemployment claims, says the federal government has added new rules that could qualify more people for financial relief. They include people who wouldn't work for someone who violated COVID safety standards, who were laid off or had fewer hours because of COVID, or school employees whose usual work schedules were impacted by the pandemic. The EDD suggests that if you were previously denied benefits, you should check your account to see if the new guidelines change your eligibility status. The American Civil Liberties Union of Northern California and other advocacy groups are suing Sacramento County Sheriff, claiming his office illegally transferred immigrants from county jails to federal immigration authorities. The California Report's Keith Mizuguchi has more. The lawsuit filed this week alleges that Sheriff Scott Jones violated state law by contacting immigration and customs enforcement officials about the release of inmates. California's sanctuary law prohibits local authorities from enforcing federal immigration law 
or holding inmates past their release date so ICE agents can take them into custody. Minju Cho, a staff attorney with the ACLU of Northern California, says emails and documents obtained through public records requests show some of the ways the department circumvented the law. Here, she's describing one email exchange between deputies. One was asking the other, how is it that when we allow ICE to come into the jail and arrest somebody and put them in handcuffs, how is that not a transfer to ICE? And the other person wrote back and said, well, we don't know exactly what's going to happen after ICE handcuffs them. It's possible they'll just talk to them and then let them go. Um, They might not even take them into custody. And so because we can't know with 100% certainty what exactly will happen, that's why we don't have to call it a transfer. Cho notes that some immigrants who are incarcerated do have criminal records that make them exempt from the sanctuary law, also known as SB 54. But the lawsuit claims the department is also targeting those who are protected under that law. They're going through the records and um, determining, yes, this person has an SB 54 qualifying conviction or no, they do not have an SB 54 qualifying conviction. And regardless of the outcome, they are calling ICE and telling them, hey, this person's being released. Do you want to come pick them up? The sheriff's department declined to comment on the lawsuit because it's pending litigation. For The California Report, I'm Keith Mizuguchi. Standardized tests like the SAT exam won't be a factor from now on when it comes to determining which applicants get into a University of California school. UC Provost Michael Brown made that announcement yesterday after a long discussion at the UC Board of Regents meeting. Regent Eloy Ortiz Oakley is chancellor of the California Community College System and recently has spent time as an unpaid advisor to the Biden administration. He spoke to the rest of the regents about what he's seen in that role. I've spent a lot of time uh, across the country the last uh, few months, and the issue of standardized testing is a big issue across the country, not just here in California. Uh, And for what it's worth, uh, many people do point now to the University of California's actions um, as a model going forward, particularly in light of the increased diversity that we've begun to see in admissions. The Board of Regents came to the decision after it was determined no alternative test could avoid biased results. It was that concern about bias based on things like race and family income that led UC leaders to phase out these tests in the admissions process last year. Instead, more emphasis will be placed on students' high school academic records. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. 
Let's turn from higher education to the gas station. As of yesterday, the average price of a gallon of regular gasoline in California was $4.69. According to AAA, that's a record high and more than $1.50 higher than this time last year. In response to high gas prices across the country, President Biden is asking the Federal Trade Commission to investigate whether oil companies are doing anything illegal to inflate fuel prices. UC Berkeley energy expert Severin Bornstein says it's highly unlikely oil companies are colluding. The fact is most of the reason that gasoline prices have gone up is because oil prices have gone up and oil prices are set in the world market. So it is not the U.S. oil companies that are driving up oil prices. It is supply and demand in the entire world market. And the world economy is coming back from the pandemic and supply hasn't really caught up. And Bornstein told the California report prices will come down eventually. The futures market for oil is showing that uh, the forecast is that prices are going to gradually decrease over the next couple of years. Now, that's no guarantee, but that's probably the best guess out there. The only thing that will bring gas prices down for good, Borenstein says, is if California follows through on its climate goals of reducing our dependence on fossil fuels. Okay, you've heard from an energy expert. Now let's go to an actual gas station. KQED Central Valley reporter Alex Hall talked with people filling up their tanks in Fresno. They told her high fuel prices are making it harder for them to afford the basics. Melissa Diaz is filling up her tank at a Shell station on the corner of Shields and Maroa in Fresno. She's an independent contractor and drives around a lot for her job. The cost of gas, she says, has forced her to turn down jobs outside of town. And she's had to cut corners elsewhere. We've had to water down our milk. Don't tell my kids that, but we have to water down the milk. They don't know any better, but yeah, it's like everything. Prices are ridiculous. While Thanksgiving usually means traveling 45 minutes south to see her family in Hanford, this year they're going to stay home. It's hard to, to figure that out right now. With, you know, and then Christmas coming up, Thanksgiving's coming up, and it's like, I don't think we're going to have a turkey this year. I think we're just going to go ahead and do like hamburgers or something. That's really what it's come to. At a Sinclair gas station across town, some say they're not worried. Prices will likely go down again soon. Others say they've had to give rides to family members who couldn't afford the gas. Carissa Hurtado, who works at a nearby Amazon Fulfillment Center, says she's heard new employees are getting higher wages. But that doesn't help if prices are also up. Here in California, it's expensive. She and her boyfriend are considering leaving the state, starting somewhere new, somewhere more affordable. Um, I'm thinking maybe Oregon or Washington, to be honest with you. It's not as expensive as it is over here. Um, from what I've seen in the last year, going over there for gas, it's cheaper. It used to take me 10 bucks to fill this bike up, now it takes me 20. At the next pump over, Russ Sacra says he's been riding his motorcycle because it gets better gas mileage than his pickup truck. He looks over at the meter that stopped running. That's what I can afford now, 1064, and I used to fill it up and keep it full all the time. So, thanks Biden. No matter who or what is to blame, AAA says 48 million people are expected to travel by car this Thanksgiving, regardless of gas prices. For the California Report, I'm Alex Hall in Fresno. 
Let's turn to the pandemic. Last week, the state updated its guidance to urge pretty much all Californians to get a COVID booster shot. Now, over a week later, and after much confusion online, the state's My Turn vaccine scheduling site has finally caught up. KQED's Carly Severin has more. California changed its messaging on boosters nine days ago, telling providers not to turn anyone away from getting an extra shot. But many online systems, including MyTurn, still asked patients if they qualified under the CDC's original criteria, such as age or health. Today, that's finally changed. MyTurn has been updated to open up boosters to everyone 18 and over. Some pharmacy websites still have that federal criteria, but the CDC will meet tomorrow to discuss expanding boosters nationwide. For the California Report, I'm Carly Severn. And finally this morning, as we head into Thanksgiving week, a lot of us have food and cooking on our minds. This week, our sister show, The California Report's Weekly Magazine, is sharing some stories about the unexpected ways food plays a role in our lives and in the history of our state. Here's host Sasha Coca with a preview. This week, we're bringing you some of our favorite stories from the award-winning series California Foodways, which has aired here on the California Report since 2014. Reporter Lisa Morehouse has been sending us a food story from each one of California's 58 counties. We'll head to Imperial County to find out why there's so much Chinese food at the U.S.-Mexico border. To us, it's like a a fusion, Mexican ingredients with the Chinese. It's very different than if you go to any other Chinese, Americanized Chinese restaurant. And we'll meet a Vietnamese pop star who opened a banh mi sandwich shop in Orange County. When I'm off stage, I'm like 100% completely different. A total Vietnamese traditional girl who takes care of their family, food on the table, everything. We'll also hear about some high school students from Greenville in Plumas County. You might recognize their town as one that burned recently in the Dixie Fire. But four years ago, students from the high school, underdogs basically, won a statewide culinary championship. There is this one team who had their entree that was, it was lobster. (laughs) And we used cheap fish. I think it says that in the culinary world, as a metaphor, it's not the paint you use, it's the way you use it. And we'll camp out with the California Conservation Corps in Marin County and hear about the essential role the kitchen plays for a hardworking trail crew. That's Sasha Coca, host of the California Reports magazine. You can hear all of these food stories on this week's show. Tune in on some public radio stations or download the podcast, the California Report magazine. And that is the California Report for Friday, November 19th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Katie McMurrin and Danny Bringer, with assistance from Seal Muller. Our producers are Mary Franklin Harvin and Keith Mizuguchi. Our senior editor is Angela Corral. Our director of news is Vinnie Tong. Our executive editor is Ethan Tobin Lindsay. And our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm your host, Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening, and have a good day and weekend, and talk to you on Monday. Support for the California Report comes from Real California Milk, reminding listeners to take three simple steps to recycle gallon milk jugs. Pour it, cap it, bin it. Learn more at RecycleTheJug.com. Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, focused on finding exceptional people and helping them do more for others together. On the web at SchmidtFutures.com. 
and the California Healthcare Foundation, working to build a more effective, compassionate, and just healthcare system on the web at chcf.org health equity. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? It's history, it's people, it's unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hi there, I'm Randa Dirfetah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.